I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is Rachel Michaelberg. She's the author of Crash, How I Became a Reluctant Caregiver. Rachel Michaelberg got the call that her husband David's plane had crashed while she was watching an evening TV show with her seven-year-old daughter. Though he and the pilot survived, David suffered a traumatic brain injury that left him irrational, seizure-prone, and unable to manage his bodily functions. Before the crash, Rachel and David's marriage had been in trouble, but she wanted to do the honorable thing and take care of him. Realizing she couldn't dedicate her life to caring for a man whom she no longer loved, she shares her personal story battling the moral conflicts and societal expectations involved in caregiving for a disabled or cognitively impaired family member. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Rachel. Thank you, Catherine. Nice to be here. Yeah, well, I have actually. I didn't read the book. I listened to the book, the Audible. I've gotten into listening, oh. and uh, I know you're the narrator. So, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, being a social worker, having worked in a rehab hospital for many, many years, uh, everything uh, just really resonated for me with your book. But okay, caregiver, reluctant caregiver. I mean, reluctant. I think is the word because we try to. You know, you're not supposed to be a reluctant caregiver. Giver. You're supposed to be a very caring caregiver, somebody who wants to do it, and we're going to help you caregive. Well, yeah, so let's start with that, the title of the book, Reluctant. Um, yeah, In my, uh, <laughs> my publisher and I went back and forth a bit on the subtitle because, um, you know, I had a completely different subtitle, you know, uh, and uh, she really wanted the word caregiver in there. Um, and I said, well, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to give away the ending, but I said, I don't, I don't want to be, um, I, I really didn't take that role on full time. And that's kind of the whole point of the book. Um, and I said, I never really was his caregiver. And she said, well, you were, even though he wasn't necessarily living, you know, at home, um, which is the same thing that the social worker had told me. Um, so caregiving takes all kinds of forms, as you know. Um, you can be uh, in charge of somebody's care, even though they're not living at home with you. But the idea, that, the idea was that um, he couldn't really, um, I, I didn't feel that I could give him what he needed uh, and still maintain my sanity, essentially. And I really wanted to explore that um, ambivalence in in the book. I wanted to delve into what I what I actually went through, which was um, that push pull of um, you know I, I felt duty bound. I felt I felt that he he needed the best care available, and yet in my heart. In my, in my soul, I felt like I would not be able to provide that um, because I would be resentful and I would, um, uh, I would not be able to take care of, of myself and my two kids. Um, and I, I also I want to interrupt you because you were, and I, didn't, I don't think I said this in the beginning, but uh, you were in your 40s. You're a young woman and you have a husband yeah. now who is 
incapacitated mentally. I think you mentioned in the book, or maybe I just mentioned it, he had the, you know, cognitively, he was like a seven-year-old incontinent of bowel and bladder and all of those kinds of things. So um, you being, but you were responsible for him. Maybe you weren't caring for him in a day on a daily basis in your house. And I, that's part of the book, not wanting to bring him home necessarily. Uh, but, and uh, so you, I guess you were your his sister trying to convince you that she you should bring him home. Let's talk about the shame and the guilt and all uh, that's associated yeah. with because that's really those are the issues. Um, and you weren't getting along before, so you know in social work terms we talk about pre morbid functioning. How were you functioning before? Is that what you're going to get back to an unhappy marriage? No. So let's start with that. Right. Um, so. We, I wouldn't say uh, we were necessarily headed for divorce, but mm, it was it was looking like we were going in that direction um, at some point. And so, and I had uh, I had been starting to feel attracted to someone else uh, more than just feel attracted to. I was really starting down that road. Um, and that right in the in the midst of that is when this this accident occurred. So, you're right about the premorbid uh, situation. It was it was very difficult um, because I you know I already had all of these conflicting feelings, and and then this this happens right in the middle of it. Um, I did question myself often, Would what, what would I have done if our marriage had been strong and happy and healthy, uh, and yet I didn't, um, um, I, I, I kind of came back to the conclusion that it might have made the same decision, just because the care involved was so intense, and it would have it would have been all consuming. Um, so let's go back to the shame and guilt. Um, you know, even though I had um, an incredible social worker who I really um, credit for uh, giving me the, the option to consider um, dif- different options um, of caregiving, I was prepared to, as you know from reading the book, I was prepared to bring him home, and then she, I had my own medical crisis, um, probably mostly stress-induced, and um, had, was suffering from a recurrence of an eating disorder around that time. It was, it was not a fun time. Uh, and uh, the social worker gave me that, the, those different options of, you know, well, you don't have to bring him home, at least not right now. Um, because I could, I couldn't even imagine the. I couldn't even imagine not, you know, p- putting him in, into a facility or a, um, uh, an institution and not taking care of him personally. That was just. That's not what people did. That was wrong, right? It was. Um, it was shameful, and so I. Um, but I did consider her. Her. Uh, suggestion, and but just on a temporary basis. <laughs> so, okay, well, just for now, while I'm healing myself, and um, and then that, as you know, turned into a different story. Uh, but uh, it was the, it was the therapists, it was the social workers, it was my um, my my friends and fam- my close friends and family. But there were others 
um, as you mentioned, his sister, um, who is a very kind and, and wonderful person and a very, um, she's a, a caregiver herself. She, she just, that's her nature. Um, she was pressuring me and others in his family to take him home. Um, and so I had to stand firm against that because the, every time she would mention something or they would say, well, you know, do you really want him to be cared for by strangers? The guilt and the shame would surface again and would, um, you know, sort of eat at me. Um, and I had to, I had to just, I don't want to say stay strong because I dedicated my book to caregivers. I feel like they are heroes. They really are because there is so much selflessness that goes on in that. And um, that just, uh, that wasn't me. Yeah, I think that's really a good point. It wasn't you. And you mentioned your sister. She's a, a caregiver, or his sister, your, David's sister. Uh, she is a caregiver, and that's her nature. It's not your nature. And I think uh, maybe the message is to people uh, that are to pr- people who are it put in this position is, you know, maybe you're not the person, you aren't the caregiver that you have to really face. What are you, what can you actually do? Because I think what happens is if you do it and you don't want to, and you make that choice, your children suffer, you suffer. And, and even, and the person you're supposedly caregiving for suffers as well. Uh, nobody does too well under those circumstances. Right, exactly. And, and that's the kind of language that, um, the, my therapist used and the, the, the social workers who I just, um, I think I used the line, um, her name was Lois, the, the, the social worker that was working with us. Uh, Lois saved my life, you know, when she just, you know, she opened a door and I, I walked through it, meaning she said, you know, you don't have to take him home right now. <laughs> um, and uh, so I just, I bow down to <laughs> the social workers. Um, it's such an important um, role in our society. Um, and, she, you know, she'd seen it. She'd seen families implode from the stress of, of that kind of, um, you know, having, having someone in the house. We had a small house. The kids were very young. Um, my son... Um, is on the autism spectrum. He's very high functioning, but um, it, you know, it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't going to be a successful situation. Uh, and then it just sort of extended. And of course, there were several lawsuits that I had to contend with. Um, there was a personal injury lawsuit, and there was a workman's comp issue. You know, it was because he, he was injured on the job. So. Uh, it felt like um, the guilt and shame kept resurfacing, um, even even years after. I would say, after I made the decision, and um, uh, people ask, well, you know, why did I write this book? Did you write it? You know, did I write it to process my my guilt? And um, and at first, I would say, no, I just, um, you know, I have a therapist to do that. I'm just, I just feel like I have this story that needs to be told because it's not a story I had read anywhere else. I'd read plenty of stories about, uh, or true stories about people who had been thrust into the role of caregiver and had struggled but had risen to, to the, the challenge and had, 
had done it, um, and yet I hadn't found mine. And so I went to writing classes and learned how to write it. And um, but but years later, when I look back, I do believe that writing the story uh, did help me process uh, all those feelings. Yeah, it was. I assume that it's cathartic. Uh, I mean, I, that's one way of saying it, I guess. Um, and I think the thing, one of the things, and we don't have that much time left, but, uh, and I recommend that people read the book because caregiver can mean a lot of different kinds of things, but I think the word that comes up, and as you're describing your situation, choices, we do have choices. It's not suddenly you become a caregiver and there's one way to handle it or one way to, to be a caregiver. Uh, you also have to care for your children, care for yourself, um, and there are there are options. Maybe that's, and, and I sort of, um, having heard your book, you telling the story, uh, that's what I, I took away from that. There are options, and you have to be able to see those options. Um, and, and there's so much more to it. But um, So I, I could ask you a question about where you are right now. I can say, I don't want to give away the, the book, I guess, but it, it sounds to me like you're in a good place and that you feel like you made the right decision. And for listeners, if you want to see um, how Rachel came to that decision or her decisions, um, buy the book, read the book, give us a website and or websites we can go to. I know this is short, but we started late. So, Yes, yes. Uh, so my website is Rachel M. Author www.rachelmauthor, uh, and it's available through, of course, um, Amazon, and, and it, but I always steer people toward independent bookstores if possible, just because they're wonderful. Um, and yes, I'm in a very good place. Uh, my kids are 22 and 24 years old now. My son just graduated from college, and my daughter is living and working in San Francisco, and um Yes, things are things are much better, and and my husband and my first husband David is still alive. Good. He lives in in his with his sister, and um, he's quite frail, and um, you know, cognitively um, very very compromised. Things just get worse often yeah. with brain injuries; they don't tend to get that much better. But yeah, but I said it sounds like he's well taken care of. Hey, yeah. Rachel, thanks so much for being on the show. Rachel Michaelberg, Crash, How I Became a Reluctant Caregiver. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 